Hello, listeners. Welcome to Educational Podcast, Educational Landscapes, Lessons from Leaders. On today's episode, we are going to learn from Christy Martin. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you. Happy to be here. Wonderful. So to get us going, what is your educational leadership title or titles? I am a professor, tenured professor in the School of Nursing, and I am the Associate Dean for Education. All right. So what do you do in your role as the Associate Dean for Education? So I oversee all of our educational programs. So we have PhD, Doctor of Nursing Practice, Masters of Nursing Science, as well as Masters of Nursing, and Bachelor's Degree, and other um, programs that are coming on board are things like a perfusion program, and there's a master's in perfusion to be launched in the fall. So I oversee those programs. I also help and facilitate um, launching of programs, development of programs, and that type of thing. And then I problem solve with maybe issues we have related to courses or to learning and um any student issues I'm I'm usually involved in assisting with as well. That was a lot of programs <laughs> that are under your purview. <laughs> yes, that is a lot. And we continually um, develop new programs based on need. Um, healthcare needs, like the perfusion is a good example of that. That's not a nursing degree, but it was very much um, coming from practice saying we need more perfusionists. And we have opportunity in our school to pursue things like that. And, and we're dedicated to it with an ultimate goal, I'll add, of increasing access to, to health care. That's our that, focus. That mm -hmm. is wonderful to hear. And so as you talk about that, you know, the programming is responsive to the needs in the community. Do you look at... Emory Healthcare, Atlanta, or it's like more broadly, what are the needs within the U.S.? Yes, actually, yes, yes, yes. Well, all of those. Um, Emory Healthcare is our academic partner, so we very much are focused on needs from that they identify and that we're probably more familiar with, um, and also partner with them on those. So that's that's very much the case. And we're also, as part of Emory, we're very committed to Atlanta and to what the needs are in Atlanta and how we can address those. And then nationally as well. And ultimately with increasing nursing workforce as our primary and now perfusion workforce as well, um, that is a primary goal of ours. So that's definitely uh, actually global um, need as well. So we're, we're focused broadly. That is great to hear. So thinking about, um, you know, developing these programs, problem solving and all of that, what skills do you use in your leadership role? Mm, that's a good question. I um, first thing that comes to mind is, is the um, people skills. Interpers or inter interpersonal, I think that is true. Um, that comes to mind and working together for solution. Um, that is high priority from my point of view. Um, the other skills, I think, are organization, communication, uh, resilience has been very big priority, um, as well as persistence and um, openness to 
new ways um, to developing new opportunities and people. Um, so all those things considered, I that's my answer. I don't know if that if there's a um, if that's adequate or what you were looking for, but that's what it comes to mind. Oh, and one more thing: um, being humble. Mm. I've found. I don't know if that's a skill, but it's <laughs> it has definitely been. And I don't know if it's called if it actually humbles the best way to say that. But it's it's recognizing and appreciating the contributions of others that we work with and supporting that. Um, and I guess that fits a lot of what I've already said in terms of openness to new ways and and um, and actually enacting that kind of support as well it has worked well for me. Thank you. I think that is very important to be humble, that humility, um, yes. the ability to work with others. And I'd love for you to expand a little more about resilience, because I think it's a word we hear, but um, how it is practiced or viewed is not always described. So can you tell us a bit more about what you mean when you talk about mm -hmm. resilience? So first thing that comes to mind about it is having a positive, hopeful outlook. I see that I believe that there is opportunity to work well with people and to come to solution. And so to me, I, I speak about it from that point of view of um, it, it, that perspective helps me to be resilient. And the resilience then um, that I need is when we encounter difficulties, which we always do. We've had such a crisis when we have, have had pandemic issues as well as a crisis in workforce for nursing. Um, and so to be resilient has been um, um, persisting, which I'm, I'm very dedicated to do, um, to support our mission and to figure out a way to do that. So uh, this is very unusual. And I would never have said that's my definition of resilience, but it's all part of it for me. And it's it provides me with the hope as well as the um, path forward and opportunity that, that rejuvenates me and keeps me going. Um, and, and I think successful. Thank you. That is a wonderful, rich, actionable definition and application of resilience. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. So recognizing you probably didn't start out as an associate dean, um, what was your journey that led to this current role? So first off, I was at University of Michigan for 15 years in the School of Nursing there in Ann Arbor. And um, I went there as a brand new PhD. I had taught before as an instructor and um, entered um, as a specialty director for family nurse practitioner and pediatric programs at the master's level and and, um, and brand new to the research intensive environment. And I had a, um, I was successful in getting tenure. And the year I applied for tenure, the department chair tapped me saw potential in me um, to be the leader of their visioning um, task force and group, uh, strategic planning group for the division of primary care. And um, I was honored to do that, but it wasn't something I was seeking. And I remember later thinking, thank you for recognizing my ability here as I ended up very much enjoying the influence opportunity yeah. to guide and 
the strategy and then the the forward development of that department that then it ended up being the the best funded research funded department and the most graduates and you know it was really really positive at a really good school and university um and then the next year the department chair was um planning to step down and said to me i i recommended you and i was shocked <laughs> it was not, it was so fun to i just said first thought was me no and and the next thought was hmm opportunity so maybe that fits with my resilience <laughs> description i don't know but um i appreciated her opinion and i appreciated then the opportunity to apply and i was appointed selected to be a department chair and i was that in that role for quite a few years before i came here and came here as an assistant dean. And so it was an opportunity for me that um, someone else recognized my skills and supported me and encouraged me. And um, actually just funny story with this, the three of the senior associate deans um, came to me a year after I had done that department chair role and said, we really weren't sure you could do this. But the only reason they were telling me is that they said, you've done it. Uh -huh. and, you know, pleasantly surprised and so thank God. And, um, but the reason, which was a very important lesson I learned that they didn't think I could do it was because I was not experienced in administration and leadership formal. I mean, I had program director, that kind of thing, but not at this school level or uh, organizational level. And um, that was one piece. The other piece was they thought I would be too, I was too nice. And that was the most striking thing to learn early on in my leadership path and thinking, yes, I am a nice, I think I am a nice person and that's important to me. And it's part of how I see I'm, I can work well and be effective. Uh, and, and so it's, it was striking to me that they thought that was going to interfere and since then, I have been very dedicated to not changing that about who I am yes. <laughs> and at the same time be an organizational champion. And, and the combination of those two things being uh, people oriented and a good, nice person um, and a team player and at the same time an organizational champion and advancing the mission have been something that was based in that that feedback I got. And um, so anyway, that was a, um, I don't know if, I, did I answer your question? Yes, sure. yes, you did. Uh, we, we, we learned you started um, from Michigan and, and department chair and, and now you are here at Emory. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then when I came here, I was assistant dean of clinical advancement, which was a lovely opportunity that um, now another faculty is in that role, which is does a beautiful job. Um, and I was tapped for a variety of things, uh, DMP program, director, uh, doctor of nursing practice. And then when the associate dean for graduate education position came available, the dean asked if I would apply for that. So again, I've been mostly tapped for things um, or encouraged to do things. Um, I still at that point was not thinking I would um, be seeking something like that out. And then the associate dean for undergraduate um, education left to go be dean somewhere else. And the dean combined the two positions, which is why I'm in the role I'm in of associate dean for education over all programs in the School of Nursing. So that's that's how that happened. And so along 
the way um, it's doing a, a good job. Um, it's also um, listening to others, <laughs> I think, <laughs> and really then reflecting on um, my skills and what I contribute. That is amazing. And, you know, I really appreciate um, you highlighting that element of the feedback you got where they were worried about you being too nice. And mm -hmm. I think that really resonated with me because I am, that's like the core of who I am is to be nice. And I'm like, that shouldn't prevent me <laughs> from doing different things. So I, I am delighted that you continue to yes. be nice and you continue to grow. It's a great thing. And it's an asset, isn't it? It, yes. it, but it not, it is not always viewed that way. Um, I think it is in action viewed that way, but it, it's sometimes seen as being too soft or those types of things. And that's not that. That is not the case, as you well know. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So as you think about the position you're in, which now is combined <laughs> uh, two roles, what do you wish you knew before stepping into this current role? Oh, boy, that's a really good question. Um, I think the biggest thing I, I didn't know that I now know is what it means to be an organizational champion. Mm. And I think um, probably that was my biggest lesson in, in, um, in actually, it, and, it, and it is related to all roles in leadership I've had, but not having understood that well until I came here. And I mean, organization of the school and organization of the university and the community um, and, and what it really means to, to be that, um, which to me means you're mission focused and mission driven. And those things are critical to allow me then to see, um, that there are different ways of doing things and what those ways might be and getting to, um, how, how often is how, not if, um, we advance the mission. And so um, that was something I didn't, quite, even after I think seven years of department chair at Michigan, I still didn't quite get that until I came here. And I think that's Emory and our school that have been um, so influential for me in learning that. And, and it's we have such a mission that we we wanna support it, um, but how we do that is, is often, um, I think very influenced when we, by our mission and, and keeping a focus on that. So that's, I hope that's what you were wanting to know about. I did, I did. I think our listeners will really appreciate that perspective. So thinking about, you know, the different things that you have to do, you know, you talked about the skills that you use. What continuing professional development do you do to keep up with the needs of your role? Yeah. So um, actually related to organizational champion, one thing that's been very helpful to me is leadership coaching. That has been extremely helpful to learn. And I think that's how I learned um, so much about that major thing that I didn't know when I started. <laughs> and um, that is a key component. And then the other that I've most recently been doing, and it started during the pandemic, is listening to podcasts, um, even more so than reading, I mean, obviously reading Agile and a variety of other great books. Um, 
about leadership, but to listen to the, I love the Harvard um, Business Idea Cast. It's just been something that as I'm cooking dinner, I mean, whatever moment I have, I'm listening to things like that, those types of things that are, um, there's also a, a one focused on academia, um, teaching in higher ed. And most of those are more related to the teaching, the way we teach. But I look at, listen to those related to how I lead and what I'm leading. And so, and then of course, I love the history podcast and all the other, and, I, and I'm and i very much into, into reading history. And again, I think because of the roles we have, that's part of my lens. And no matter in anything I'm doing, reading, of course, the things I read for pleasure, maybe not as much, but sometimes, um, but those types of things have been uh, very influential to me in continuing development and then continuing development, of course, professional, um, you know, the, the uh, this nursing programs and courses and webinars. And right now we have a major change in nursing education nationally. Uh, we're moving to competency-based education and that is something that um, schools of medicine have done many years. Nursing now is entering into this, and it's a very big change. And so I'm, um, I'm, I'm being educated. And the other area of being educated that I think is really very relevant to all of our roles and leadership, of course, consequently, is um, related to AI and to um, things, for example, like Chat GPT. Um, I know I want to be open and understanding when people are talking about decisions that need to be made related to students using this. And so as an example, some of the great things I'm hearing, um, one was a podcast actually from the higher ed um, podcast I listened to, Teaching in Higher Ed, where there was a speaker from um, Ireland who's a lead in disability education there and talking about how we use something like this we need to understand it first of all and then guide students in how they use it because they're going to and so ra rather than the other conversations i was hearing in different spots were how do we deal with plagiarism well that's important um his view was which i loved which was guide them to think about when you are in your in, when you're employed um what are you going to need you need to learn what we're teaching not have that be a shortcut in any way. At the same time, here's some good ways to, to use this and um, advance your work. So broad answer, but there's so many ways that um, I keep learning. And I think that's a basic piece, right? Basic point is continually learning and being open to new young, I think young or innovative ideas, always. I love the Makes it fun too. <laughs> What'd you say? I love the breadth of um, the, your continuing learning. I love that breadth. It's there. <laughs> it's, and that's more fun, isn't it? Yes. It's enjoyable. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So as, as you kind of reflect on your you know, career to date, what advice would you give someone interested in doing the same type of leadership role or roles that you've been in? Yes. You know, I go back to organizational champion. That is critical. And why I say that is as a faculty, when I went to Michigan as program director, and I was also that at Georgia State, um, I'm working very much focused here in teaching and I'm pointing, <laughs> pointing to, to a more like um, narrow, but very important role 
and I shouldn't even say narrow, but but a very focused role yeah. and educating students for the best skill, for the competencies they need to provide care. And that was my focus as FMP and PNP director. And I wasn't thinking of the overarching mission, even though I was improving workforce, increasing it, I wasn't framing it as an organizational mission in my day-to-day work. And so as a faculty member and as a leader in faculty um, in in educational programs, um, and often felt like I was fighting the intent of the leadership or the administration and now being in the leadership and administration that some people may feel they want to fight um to me i see the blending of we have the same goals we have the same mission we all want to improve workforce and diversity of workforce is another component that is very much priority and it, it, it strikes me very much as common goals we all have but i see this difference of approach, difference of view, that can be very difficult and frustrating. Um, that has probably been the, the biggest thing that I feel, the more I could be an organizational champion earlier on, I probably would have taken some different routes in what I did. And um, anyway, I see that as being essential for a leadership at the level I'm at, and at other levels, I'm sure. I think it all all levels actually. So is that what you were wondering about? Yes. And I think I really appreciate you bringing that up because I do find that is a very common thing that you hear about in higher ed, regardless of the profession, that there's this faculty versus administration, which I always struggled to understand because I'm like, but but administration is usually faculty. So how? (laughs) Right, right. Right, right. <laughs> it's a really true thing, and it's a good a good example is um, the focus, and and this might be nursing as well. Is we you know as a as an organization we are also a business, mm-hmm. and we need to have the support for the great things we want to do in our educational programs, and that requires funding, and so that requires a variety of things like tuition and and a variety of sources of income as well. Um, with ultimately that same goal in mind of mission and common purpose and so it's it's really important um but it's hard to see or it was hard for me to see i should say it that way um and so even though even though i didn't see it as well as i do they i was recognized like you heard my story so that it didn't interfere so much um but i could have done better could have done better earlier even and i think I think um, for people who are um, headed in this direction, that that might be something to think about. Indeed. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So as um, you talked about, you know, we are in the business of education, the business, uh, you know, higher ed. And within that, how do you view succession planning? Oh, I love this question. It's something that I uh, it just came up today, um, talking to a new director of a new program and saying we should begin your succession planning now. And and that's that would be a, the approach that we recommend. And then I said, however, I have not done that, <laughs> which is not good. And at the same time, what an opportunity 
to um, and an encouragement for me to do it uh, in terms of who and how we support our colleagues and people who will be great leaders and how can we um, support our colleagues in different ways. And I think it does that and also helps identify um, at the leadership level who is wanting to advance into um, leadership of this type and also um, not just recognize it, but support them and support them intentionally. And so I see that as a broad question. And maybe now that I'm thinking about it and don't have a plan, that maybe the plan could be succession planning of the broadest sense, which would be there could be opportunity for quite a few. I think for my role, there could be different ways you could even design the role, but you could also have opportunity of different types that maybe not just be in, in our school, but might be preparing you for a role of this type in another school or something like that. So could succession planning be that broad? And so you then are intentionally supporting um, people in your groups um, to move forward and asking them if they're interested and also recognizing, like I had the fortunate opportunity of people recognizing or not recognizing my ability um, as well. So, hmm. so I have work to do on this. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> it's very but, important though. Yes, important and good work. And I, I love the perspective you have about succession planning in the broadest sense that it really, I think it gets to almost that skills development because mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. stuff people could learn may take them to, you know, your role, but may take them to other places too. Right, right. And that's that's actually um, probably then you get to a point where as you get closer to not being in the role, um, you, you also get to a point where it needs to be very specific and individual. And I think that's the other part of it. But but to start broad, I like that. Yeah. Um, and, and it then gives you opportunity probably to create new pathways, but also to um, select maybe would be lovely to have a few people that could be um, con considered. Like for me, when I was considered at Michigan, I, I was pretty much the only one that they considered at that yeah. time. And um, that's, a, that's okay. But it's, of course, nice to have an opportunity to consider a variety of people. And there probably were other people who were not tapped like I was, which is another consideration. How do we broaden that opportunity yeah. for everyone? Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. So... Then as we continue to think about what you've done so far, what contributed to your biggest successes thus far? Right, the team approach, team approach. So people, again, I said people oriented. It's just appreciating talents, recognizing them, and then appreciating them and planning with individuals to work as part of the team with, again, the right seat on the bus. Um, the skills, recognizing the skills people have and helping them to be in, in the position to take advantage of that, to flourish with that. Um, I think of situations where we have opportunities and if we're not aware of, it's not only someone's interest, but also their skills. And we can guide, I think more appropriately um, for them and for the mission uh, I think it would be much more effective 
if we can understand. So then it makes me think, how do we know what people's skills are? And I think a lot of that has to do with um, observation and um, listening and awareness and working together. So back to the team. So the team opportunity that is, is I think the biggest, for me, I couldn't function without the team. And that, I'm talking about team of all levels, leadership, faculty, and other administrators, um, and staff, and essential partners with us, and equal partners, I'm, I believe, has been especially important, I think, for successful programs and education in our school, um, and being willing to say, hmm, I hadn't thought of that suggestion that you're bringing forward before, and let's give it a try. Even if I don't think it's a good one, or even if I don't think it's going to work, I have been surprised and surprised and surprised. <laughs> knowing I don't know everything, and at the same time, knowing I don't even haven't even thought of things that others have. And so to I think it's the whole, and maybe team isn't the right, well, it's team, but it's a community. Yeah. It's our community and our students included in that too. So yeah. all of us, the faculty, the staff and the students working together. And we, as an example, we developed a respect statement for our school when I was chair of the DEI um, committee. This was years ago. The students developed that. And we all just agreed, 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 agreed. And then we we accepted that the dean helped us to accept that as a school statement and anyway as one example so that's the that's how i've been successful is uh, with the whole the whole <laughs> the community yes yeah i love cool. that i love the you know you started with describing it as a team and then as you thought about the people who are make up the team you're like yeah this is actually a community it is a community yeah. That's I think that's very and again, all of that is very um much needed um to do the type of work we do well and to enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. Which is yes. essential. So that's part of success. It's nice nice to be asked these questions. I don't often think about those things. <laughs> I'm glad I could help you with a little reflection time. <laughs> I appreciate it. The more of that, the better. Thank you. Indeed. Welcome, welcome. So, um, you know, you mentioned something that I think we don't always appreciate, but we don't know what we don't know. And mm -hmm. so what are or were your biggest growth opportunities thus far? Yes. Well, one was that very piece of um, understanding finance. Mm. And I'm still learning, always am. Um, but starting with um, getting the uh, support and assistance, we have a wonderful associate dean of, of finance and more than that, she's much more than that, um, who helps us to, to not only understand, but to enact and work together as a team to provide us with the resources we need. And to really understand that rather than sometimes in the past fighting that or not embracing it. And um, that has been a big growth opportunity for me. And then of course, back to the organizational champion, I've already mentioned that in terms of that is huge growth opportunity, which fits with the finance. And I say it that way because often as nurses, 
and uh, mission-oriented um, organization that isn't always um, seen as being a very positive um, focus, mm-hmm. but but absolutely is essential for that very reason of advancing the mission. So those those things I think come to mind. Um, and I'm not mentioning, I mean, of course, I've been a faculty member for years and the knowledge and the um, the competencies and the things that we're moving forward to, that is, um, those are all great growth opportunities as well. Um, and a bit, those have been a bit easier for me <laughs> to manage than the other newer um, organizational champion approaches, so. Thank you. I um, really appreciate you bringing up the finance piece because I I think that is something that almost feels like this hidden curtain um, for, you know, faculty or certain types of administrative roles. It's like somebody does some magic and I just Mm -hmm. have to run. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. When it actually is so critical to everything that we can do or are doing is so interesting. So yeah, that's been a big learning opportunity for me too. Thank you. So as you think about, you know, the, all the stuff you've done so far, what do you love most about your work and what you do? The people. Yeah. The people. They're the best. I, I, um, I've always loved people. <laughs> just it's an odd answer maybe but um I respect individuals and differences and I I always feel like I can learn so much and and enjoy much more um what I do and and my life um in working with people and so important when we spend a lot of time in our jobs the people that I work with and I find Emory and um our school the people here are incredible. I would, I am not ever wanting to leave. It's, it's the kind of place where we work together in a way, the collaboration, I think. And I, I would say striking to me after being here almost, I guess about 10 years, um, the collaborative approach and hearing across campus and in our school, um, this very thing, it's a common um, frame in our university. And uh, I had a question asked of me when I first came here and um, actually um, Michigan was ranked higher. The school of nursing was ranked higher than us at the time, although now we're number one. So we are definitely uh, the best in the country, which is wonderful. U.S. News and World Report. Thank you. Um, So to think about the question someone asked me was, well, why would you want to go there? As a step down is their opinion. It was not my opinion. I um, knew there were wonderful people here and great things happening, uh, wonderful leaders and in the school and in the university. And um, and it's absolutely been true. And then when I got here, I uh, had questions asked of me and I, about that comparison. And I said, yes, we had fantastic programs and students also at Michigan. And what I didn't have there that I have here is this collaborative approach. And it's more of here's an issue we have to deal with or we need or want to deal with. And um, and instead of saying, fix it, take care of it, it's much more of a let's do it together. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's really good. And I feel that in the school and across 
the other schools across campus. So it, it's, um, it's my favorite. That is the best. <laughs> I love that. And I think about some of the words that are resonating out of um, this episode, community, collaboration, and 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 the word, not that you used it, but compassion is really Oh, yes, very good. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. You've just given a good frame for what we've been talking about. Yeah. Thank you. Compassion is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you that could sense that. That all came from you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's great. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's a better thing to say than nice for me. Mm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Could be. I like nice I, too, though. I do too. I do because we hear that. We don't hear people say, oh, you're too compassionate. Uh, but you do right. hear you're too nice. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This has been a wonderful learning opportunity for both of us. <laughs> that's really true. Thank you. That's great. I've enjoyed that very oh, much. Good. So we got our last two core questions here. The first being overall reflecting on your experiences to date, what mm. would you say are your passions around education? Well, this is something we haven't talked about, but um, precision education has been a focus. Um, Bethany and Swan and I have been working on, and we just presented with um, school of medicine on um a recent conference webinar and and it's really boils down to student or learner centered education hmm. learner centered education to with a precision approach that you might think about precision health would be that we are not doing one off education but we're we're definitely getting away from the one size fits all we have different styles of learning we have different backgrounds we have different needs, we have accommodations, we have a variety of things. And, and I hope at some point, this is my passion, that we will come as students into academia, and I hope our school will be a lead in this, and will say, I belong here. With all of my uniquenesses, this is the place for me. And I say it in part that way because we have a lot of second degree students who come and, and we're probably odd and unusual and very different for many of them as maybe other students too um, may experience that feeling and instead to say I this is um this is the place for me and so and and thinking of that I've boiled that Bethany and I have a bit more down to the educational approaches we use we want to understand most starting point would be to understand who our students are and what their learning styles and their needs are understanding that, and then providing options. And my favorite story related to this is when I was a freshman in a history class and a first generation American, 18 years old, or not American, first generation student and, and um, 18 years old, going to college. It's 45,000, you know, Florida State was so big. I was shy, blah, blah, blah. And so I had a history class and the history professor said, you can choose, oh, you can choose your type of assignment. You can write an essay um, exam. You can write um, a journal, pretending you're back in the time. Yeah, ooh, your face looked just light up, lit up. That's what I chose. And I still remember what I learned in that course. Oh my gosh, now what is that? How many years? 
later. <laughs> I don't even know. And that's the best learning. It also gave me agency, mm-hmm. it gave me confidence and so on. And then of course I say that knowing that that was in the 1970s, 78, right? So 74. And so now the students now I'm sure are different and have maybe some similarities to me then, but who knows what? And so we have to understand that and get to know them and then provide the education or the way we educate in a way that works for them. Anyway, that's a long answer, sorry, but it was just such a passion of mine. And it stems from way back. (laughs) And I am glad it has continued to run through what you do. I've been fortunate to have that, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. it's good. So my last core question, what are some things you do outside of work because you are more than your career? What do you do outside of work to help you maintain joy in life and practice? Oh, lovely, lovely. Good question. Oh, spend time with my family. I have two um, twins that are my grandchildren, babies. They live not too far away, thank goodness. And then my um, my son, those are his children and his wife, and then my daughter and her partner live here. So we spend time together. And then my uh, my sisters live here. My mom, I spend time with them. And my one sister has owns a yoga studio, um, Zone Light, right nearby. And so yoga has been a joy, a joy. And then uh, reading, I read voraciously. And, and I've gotten into history. And I'm reading a book um, called, um, well, I don't know the name. I don't, never know the names. But it's about the history of the United States. And um, and I'm learning and learning, learning. And um, one of the Oxford faculty, Susan Ash, Ashford, gave me the book. I said, well, do you have a good U.S. history book? And she gave me this wonderful book. And um, anyway, there's a lot of joy in life. And there's so many sources of it. I could go on, but I won't. <laughs> so. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. I think we could totally hear it in your voice, the joy as you described oh, these various things. And so those are my core questions for you. Um, Any last words of wisdom that you would like Mm -hmm. to share with aspiring Mm -hmm. educators or education leaders Mm -hmm. before we end? Yes, um, I would say, and I don't think this is probably necessary for most people, but have the confidence to to pursue um, what you want to pursue. And in this case with administration and academia, we have opportunity for influence that I think is appealing to many people and um go for it go for it and if there's anything i can do to help anyone let me know (laughs) i would love to do that thank you that i think is the perfect place for us to end this session thank you again christy well thank you it's lovely to speak with you and like you said i learned as well (laughs) so thanks very much